Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast. This is the show where we like to look at a streaming service and we talk about some hidden gems that are on that service. We have a lot of fun. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel, it's great to be back with you on Halloween week. This is one of my favorite mm-hmm. times of the year. And then October just went away like it was like that. <laughs> like it was so fast. Yeah, it was jam packed. I did two trips. And then, you know, the preparation and, and recovery from the trips. And yeah, so it, it, it did go pretty fast for me too. Yeah, not to mention, it seemed like Hollywood was just like, we released nothing in 2020. Let's just put them all in October. It's like, no, <laughs> no time to die, Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Dune, what are we going to talk about today? Oh, we're going to be talking about HBO Max. And yes. uh, where Doom. Doom. Dune is uh, is is already on there. It's been seen by a lot of people, and Dune Two has already been confirmed. Yeah, I mean, you think that they were were really kind of like, I mean, I guess if maybe if it had really bombed, but I feel like they were probably going to make the movie regardless. Mm-hmm. But just to have something more content for HBO Max at this point. I was preparing for the worst. However, there was a small part of me that's like, maybe, maybe there's a chance. Because is Dune is so loaded that they couldn't have told the entire story in one movie. They tried in 84. And right. while, while I love that movie for what it does best, what I recognize that it doesn't do so well is that it loads it up with everything. Like, I'm just glad, and I hope in chapter two, we get sound as a weapon and the water of life, and we get to see more of Dave Bautista as the Beast Raban, and we see more of the Baron Harkonnen, and just, there's so much stuff, and Lady Jessica is still pregnant, and that whole thing is going to, it's going to be interesting to see what they do there, yeah. so it, I, I'm just glad, i am been like floating like the Baron Harkonnen. <laughs> Well, let's talk a little bit about, as just a bonus, this obviously a hidden gem, Dune is a huge movie, uh, but let's talk a little bit about how we felt about the film. Uh, so for me, you know, I'm not that big into sci-fi. I absolutely hated the novel. I'm not a fan of the 1984 film. So <laughs> I went into this with moderated expectations, you might say. And I did end up, I guess, recommending the film. I I don't think it's really like my cup of tea or something i'll ever want to watch again except for maybe before i see the second one (laughs) part two but i can recognize that it did about i think as good a job as you could do in telling the story of dune and so people that are interested in that story and that that like that are fans of it they i think succeeded You, you have to judge something for what it's trying to be in my opinion as a critic i can't judge uh Paw Patrol the movie the same way I'm judging Candyman or <laughs> or a you know a horror movie that I might see or uh you know something that's uh or or Dune you know they're all you have to look at it with like sure yeah you have your like if it was something I completely hated then that's one thing but I didn't hate it it was fine I liked it fine um it was a little slow the characters are f- kind of flat in my opinion but like if they had made the characters different then they wouldn't be doomed this is the way the characters are in the book and so like how much do you change it 
in order to make it more cinematic and, and they, they will lose what it is that you know people like about it and so i don't know i i think that as a critic i i have to ask myself what is it trying to do and did it do it well and i would say that it, it did about as well as you could in make tune <laughs> so it felt basically it was it is what it is if you don't like if you don't like dune you're not gonna like this but if you like dune you're going to like it so i gave it a marginal uh review it's a beautiful looking movie of course and all the performances are good but um but yeah it's a slow sci-fi uh film about diplomacy and leadership and and uh, loyalty and uh that's what it is <laughs> what did you think well, I, um, I'm kind of the opposite. I love the 84 version. It's not perfect. I recognize its flaws, but there's like a thousand times more effort put into that than I just kind of, I kind of love for it. And so there was a part of me that when this was announced, I was like, they're remaking Dune. Okay. And then when I heard Denis Villeneuve's name, I'm like, it's going to be good. And it surpassed even my expectations. I adored this movie. I took my dad to see it, who is a, a big Dune fan, and we walked out of there. We were like, that was, that was, that was, that was the spice. That really was. And I, I'm freely willing to admit that if you don't like Dune, I get it. It's hard work. It's a lot of just stuff and to, to understand. And, and I'm not trying to be condescending or anything of the sort. I'm just saying that it's a very he it's very heady material. So if you mm -hmm. don't get it, I do understand. However, this is my jam. Like when, like there were several parts of the movie where I'm just like, wow, this is just so beautiful. It's like there, there's just from big moments like the sandworm. Like wow, they made the sandworm look just incredible. Like you only see like the front of it or at least it's maw but when you do see it it's like the most scariest thing you've ever seen it's just it's it's like the shark from jaws it's like this open mouth and it's like ah and you're just like mm. and and when it eats the spice the 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 spice miner it's not like a you know, like it, it goes up and eats it and goes down. It's like, it takes its time and it just like, it takes yeah. it just I mean, it definitely is a beautiful looking film. There's no question. I don't know how anybody could deny that. I do think towards the, the last part of the movie, it starts to get kind of muddy looking. You know, there's just a lot of, of you know, the sandstorms and the, it just all just sort of starts to feel kind of gray. So it loses some of its visual splendor, I think, in the last uh, third of the film. But nevertheless, it's still a, a beautiful and a magnificent accomplishment as far as the filmmaking. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, all the actors do a good job. I think if you're going to take Paul as a chosen one character, he's pretty low in my uh, ranking of those kind of characters, I would say. I mean, I just don't think he shows the same kind of growth and we don't get as attached to him as something like as someone like like a Luke Skywalker or a Harry Potter or, a, you know, these kinds of characters. And he's just not, he's not as interesting. And uh, they do what they can, but I don't think any of the characters are as interesting. There's 
Like Jason Momoa's character tries to be kind of the Han Solo of the movie, but I don't think he's anywhere close to that kind of charisma. Or even in my opinion, even in Oscar Isaac, we're going to talk about in uh, in our um, best and worst in this in the in the sequels. You know, there's just that charisma. Of course, Oscar Isaac's in this, but that charisma that Poe has in those movies, I just don't think there's anything like that here in Dune. Uh, but Dune isn't really about the characters; it's more about like leadership and loyalty and uh, colonization and those kinds of themes more than it is about the characters. Well, I, I think there's a, I think it goes a lot deeper than that. And I think, I, I think that's why I'm so happy that Dune chapter two is happening because I think all the complaints about the characters being kind of flat, I think will be, will, will be resolved as we get into number two, because as as like as the story continues paul just gets better and better and better like he he's eventually going to be able to ride the sandworm and going to use sound as a weapon and and he's just going to become the leader of the fremen and so that and it's just going to it's going to be fantastic so i i think i think chapter 1 as much as beloved by most as it is now it's going to be looked on even better in the hindsight with two and three if they end up doing one which mm -hmm. i hope so in order to cram everything in but overall it's mm -hmm. it's it's my favorite movie of the year so far it topped no time to die and i mm -hmm. fully respect and understand that not a lot of people are going to get this like i said dune is hard work but i but but I just love it. I've loved every second of it. Cool. Great. Yeah. I, I did go fresh on it. So that's, that's something. So also, uh, our, also shout out to Stellan Skarsgård for crushing it as Baron Harkonnen. Like he was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, he, he was definitely memorable. I'll say that for sure. Um, all right. Well, uh, so you would give it, would you give it a five out of five? Perfect. Yes. Out of five. And I, I gave it a three out of five. And I will, okay. I will die on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's talk about our picks. Now that we've talked about Dune, share with us in the comment section what you think about Dune. We would love to hear. And uh, yeah, let's talk about some hidden gems on HBO Max. <laughs> All right. Let's. Go. I will start. The very first one that I wanted to talk about is a documentary called Nuclear Family, and this is directed by a woman named Rai Russo-Young, and she was the daughter of a, of a lesbian couple in the, um, uh, in the 1980s, and then in, I think it was 95, I forget, um, they ended up getting, her, her moms got sued by the sperm donor for custody, and it became this big case, this big thing that you had uh, these, you know, lesbian uh, women that had two children. What were the what were the parental rights as far as them versus this, you know, biological rights? All this stuff. And so she she interviews all the different people that were involved. Obviously, she is has personal feelings about it because she was. She was the child that was in question as far as custody. 
And uh, so I thought it was really good. I thought it was really interesting to see where we've come since then um, and to see uh, just the, this family and how it, this impacted the, the community and the family and her and her sister. And uh, it's a three-part docu-series on HBO Max that I, I really thought was good. I, I think they're going to be making a, a feature film narrative based on it so I, I look for that in uh, probably oscar season uh before we know it with like julianne Mo- moore <laughs> <laughs> amy adams i could see that now um but yeah it was very interesting and uh and you know uh, sweet in a lot of ways and sad in a lot of ways so i recommend it it was really good you said this was based on a true story yeah, it's literally her, it happened to her, um, her mom's, uh, like she was the child that was, the director was the child that was being sued for custody. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, so it's very personal, of course. I can only so, imagine. And she also got to know her biological father, who sued for custody, in a way that she hadn't known before, because he had made all these tapes, and she'd always refused to watch the tapes. And she was angry and bitter what he'd done to her family. Um, but then through making the film, she kind of grew to forgive him, which was also a sweet part of the, of the whole thing. It was really good. Uh, hate carries a heavy burden. Yeah. So Nuclear Family, uh, and it's um, by director Rai Russo-Young. What is your first choice? All right, so my first choice is from 2004, and it is called Collateral. Uh, It tells the story of a hitman played by Tom Cruise, who is in Miami to do a job. And he kind of kidnaps a taxi cab driver played by Jamie Foxx, and basically tells him to drive him to his various, various locations. And while while all of this is going down, Jamie Foxx gets basically tied up in the whole craziness of the uh, of this of this hit and it all takes place in one night this was directed by michael mann and who he would go on to go on he had directed heat beforehand and is a very accomplished director and i watched this kind of on a whim i had actually found the dvd in my library and i was like i've heard nothing but good things about this I wonder what it's like. And sure enough, I sat down to watch it and I loved it. I loved everything about it. But Tom Cruise with gray hair, who would have thunk? And, uh, <laughs> he, you know, as for somebody who is primarily known as being, you know, very charismatic and very likable here, he has a very dark edge to him. So it's, it's, a, bit of a, it's a bit of a weird turn for him, but he makes it work. And, and Jamie Foxx is good in here as well. He's kind of, he's, he's more of the straight man to all of this and what's going on. He's basically our window into this whole thing. And he reacts how we all would probably react in a situation like this. And there's actually quite a few moments of levity where there's this one scene where, where Tom Cruise is like, He's like trying to defuse a situation where Jamie Foxx has been held at gunpoint and he's like, hey, homie, like that's my drive. It's funnier in the context of the movie, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's, it's really funny because 
Cruz in the movie is such a measured character, and so to have to deviate from the whole shoot first, shoot second, shoot a little more, and then ask questions is quite fascinating. And so I've always loved this movie, and I, I do recommend it. Yeah, I've heard about it. I, I've never seen it, but I've only ever heard people say it was really good in one of his better roles. Uh, so, so one of these days, I'll have to check it out. Maybe when we do a, a, a Ryan picks uh, for Rachel to watch, I'll have to give it a watch. <laughs> yeah, it's not too, it's not too terribly violent. So I, uh, mm-hmm. so I think it would definitely be for you. Cool. Well, my next pick is a movie from uh, from uh, just last year. And I feel it, but I feel like it's already gotten forgotten. It got kind of snubbed in the Oscars, didn't really get a whole lot of attention. Um, but it's News of the World by Paul Greengrass. And I really like this movie. Uh, it is kind of a little bit of slower pace, but uh, it starts Tom Hanks as this man who goes around and he does a, a performance where he tells everybody the news uh, going on. And he ends up meeting this little girl uh, and uh, he decides to help the little girl. And my favorite part about the whole movie is this whole long sequence where there's the shootout on the hill. And I thought it was so tense and so well done. And uh, uh, very, I mean, the whole movie is just beautiful, gorgeous. Uh, and I think Tom Hanks is good. Uh, the little girl, Helena Zengel, is very good. Um, so yeah, if you can handle a little bit of a slower paced film. I think you'd enjoy it. I'm normally not a big Westerns fan, but this I liked. It just had such ambiance and a likable leading character. And I liked the relationship. I always like stories of unlikely friendship. And here you have between Tom Hanks and this little girl. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I saw this literally New Year's Day 2021. And, uh, and I had no idea what to expect because it was directed by Paul Greengrass and I'm a big fan of this. So I didn't know what to expect. And when I walked out, I was like, that was good. But then the more I thought about it, the more it kind of grew on me. And now I, I do really enjoy this. One. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. There's a great action scene where, where it's Tom Hanks against these two uh, cowboys who are after them. I'm sure, Rachel, you know the scene I mean where... Yeah, they the shootout run, scene. Yeah, they run out of bullets and 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 like Tom Hanks sees the quarters and he like fills a shell with them and shoots at them with the quarters. Oh yeah. It's, it's pretty ingen- pretty ingenious if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I I I'd say it was a little bit underrated, even though it did get a few nominations for things. Uh it uh it didn't get a whole lot of love. Like I think I, they were hoping. But uh, what is your next pick? So my next choice is from 1948, and it is called Key Largo. This stars a lot of great actors from the late 40s and early 50s. Humphrey Bogart, Edgar G. Robinson, or Edgar, Edward G. Robinson, uh, Lauren Bacall, and Lionel Barrymore, among others. And it tells the story of a, of a war veteran who is going to his war buddies hotel in key largo florida uh he uh the gi is played by uh played by humphrey bogart just as he's arriving a pretty well-known gangster named johnny rocco played by edward g robinson shows up and pretty much takes the entire hotel hostage because because he's on the run 
And then just as everything is about to get hit a fever pitch, a hurricane happens because it's Florida. <laughs> it's Florida and hurricanes happen like just feels like all the time. They should have waited five minutes and the weather changed. <laughs> but the movie is really good, especially considering it was directed by John Huston, who was known for Treasure of the Sierra Madre and directing African Queen and the Maltese Falcon. Worked a, worked a really long time with Humphrey Bogart and just directed him in so many quality movies throughout the 30s, 40s, and 50s. This is one that never gets talked about and is subtly really good because up until, I want to say, Maltese Falcon, Humphrey Bogart actually played more villainous characters. And I think it was around the end of the war where he finally became, became the protagonist in most of the movies that he was in. He's definitely more of the baby face here, and he does a really good job. He doesn't take any of the crap from any of the gangsters because he, he knows that they're in a rough situation, but he's not going to compromise himself for anything. Uh, Edward G. Robinson plays Edward G. Robinson. He, he's a really great actor, but he, he got very well typecast as like the now look here, see, I'm a gangster around here, see. Like, like if you were to think a stereotypical gangster and close your eyes, Edward G. Robinson's face would appear. But that doesn't change the fact that he was a great actor and he was really good here. Uh, Lauren mm -hmm. Bacall was great as well. Bogey and Bacall, they had a, I believe they were married at one time, if my memory serves me right. Mm -hmm. They starred in a yeah. lot of movies together. Yeah. They had such great chemistry. And I haven't seen this since I was in college, so it's been a long, long time, but I remember enjoying it and thinking it had really good atmosphere and did that uh, film noir thing real well. So yeah, I think that's a good pick. All right, well, my next pick is one I thought might be fun for Halloween if you wanna watch a movie that, I don't know, kind of has, has monster themes, but isn't actually scary. Uh, and to watch Warm Bodies, <laughs> I think would be a fun kind of movie because it's about, it's a love story about a girl who falls in love with a zombie, <laughs> which is fun. <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's actually quite charming, the movie with Nicholas Holt, Teresa Palmer, John Malkovich is in it. Uh, so it has a fun cast and uh so I, I think uh, if you're looking for something that you could watch on Halloween that isn't, isn't uh, scary at all, but you know, like I said, has monsters. Um, the director did 50-50 and long shot. And so he, he's good at doing these kind of, whether it's a kind of warm hearted with a touch of sadness kind of, I don't know, 50-50 is uh, like more of a bromance, but kind of romance slash romance slash things. So, yeah, it was, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, have you seen it? Yes, I have. I, I was going to say this was directed by Greg Berlanti, and it turns out, no, it was actually directed by Jonathan Levine. So I was, I, I was thinking, oh, didn't he also direct Love, Simon? But that was also, that was Greg Berlanti, and I was confusing the two. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I saw this, and this was one of those movies that I was like, oh, great. Like, because the Twilight craze had just ended. And so I'm like, you ruined vampires. Now they're going to ruin zombies. Awesome. <laughs> and then I, I walked out of there like, was that actually good? And it turns out, yes, it was. Because I actually, 
liked the relationship between yeah. Nicholas Holt and Teresa Palmer. They actually yeah. had very nice scenes together. And I like the concept of a zombie, even though he's a zombie, recognize or regaining a little bit of his humanity. It's a theme that's actually explored weirdly enough in Blade Runner with the question of our replicants becoming more human than the humans who created them. It's a weird tangent. Yeah, I can see that. Weird tangent, yeah. but that's what I gleaned from it. Mm -hmm. I can see that. I can see that. Uh, what is your next pick? So my next choice is from is from the 1960s, I believe it's 1964, and it is, and this is a bit of walking the tightrope, but uh, it's a hard day's night. Uh, this is, this is essentially the Beatles movie. Uh, this is essentially, the narrative in this is very loose, but I recommend this movie as a window into Beatlemania that hit in the early 60s, because the Beatles are a big deal now, but Everything that I've seen about documentaries and books I've read are just showing that the Beatles were just the biggest thing ever. Everywhere they went, they were just swathed by just fans and women and just everything. They were the hottest ticket in town. You could put the Beatles on like any sign anywhere and it would immediately sell out. And Hard Day's Night was shot at the height of their powers. And, uh, and if, you've, if you've at least heard the song, the video that accompanies it is the opening scene of this movie where they sing, it's been a hard day's night and I've been working like a dog and they're running away from all the girls chasing after them. It's my favorite scene of the movie. I've seen that video like a hundred thousand times and it never gets old to me. And mostly, this movie is not exactly like a tour de force of acting. It's essentially the Beatles just kind of being themselves, I feel like. There's a scene where I believe it's either George or Ringo is just kind of walking along hungover and they kept it in. But mm -hmm. I recommend this as a piece of history because, like I said, the Beatles were just the hottest thing going throughout, like, 63 to 65 or 6 like they had a pretty decent sized run where they were selling out arenas everywhere and the hard day's night was a microcosm of their success yeah no it's definitely a good film very iconic i we reviewed it for criterion project and i do feel like whenever they actually tried to give it a plot it's, it doesn't work very the, well the plot is loose at best mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're not like the best actors when they are, you know, in the few parts where they're required to do so. Uh, but it's still, I think, entertaining and enjoyable. So good pick. Uh, my next pick is another documentary, another docu-series. Uh, it is called What Happened, Brittany Murphy. And this goes into the uh, tragic passing away of Brittany Murphy. And it's basically like a true crime docu-series about the kind of strange uh, circumstances surrounding her passing and uh, and particularly her husband and her mother some strange behavior that they were exhibiting uh, and I actually haven't finished it yet I've just watched the first episode but I thought it was really interesting as somebody who you know Clueless is a big foundation movie for me uh, it's a movie I've seen many 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 times uh, I was very sad, of course, when Brittany Murphy passed away, 
And, uh, and then the more I sort of read and realized the more like strange it became. So I was very interested to watch this, this uh, docu-series and I'm, I'm going to be uh, interested to, to watch the rest of the episodes. So. So yeah, uh, what do you have next? So my next choice is is uh, is from 2005, and it was called I Am Legend. And this is this is a movie that I think it's overly hated, and I can see why, especially because of the ending, which I won't spoil if for some reason you've never seen it. But it's it's adapted from the book of the same name, I Am Legend. It tells the story of Robert Neville, played by Will Smith, who is seemingly the last man on earth. And by day, he tries to keep himself busy with his, with his dog. He does these various errands. He goes around New York and, and does these other things, supply runs and such, keeps the, radio, keeps the radios open and free and trying to keep communication going. But at night, he is working on a cure for the plague that has wiped out seemingly all of humanity. But, but at night, the, uh, the vampires are out and they are very hungry, let's just say that. Uh, I actually rewatched this because during my Scary Mania series, I covered The Last Man on Earth starring Vincent Price. And, I was, and they're based off the same book, so I was trying to see if maybe one was better than the other. And while I love Vincent Price, I actually prefer I Am Legend just a little bit more. There's more, there's more heart there. There's, there's a lot of gut-wrenching scenes, like the last scene between Robert Neville and his family. Again, no spoilers, but it's pretty devastating. I'm a cat person, or, but the dog's death gets oh, me every say, single time. I'm a cat person, yeah. but I'm just like, oh, I can never scene, listen yeah. to Bob oh. Marley ever again. Oh. And uh, and like I said, I'm not blind to the fact that the ending is not the best. Like, like I do understand that. However, I think the rest of the movie is actually is actually quite good, especially after the dog's death and Will Smith just kind of completely loses his mind. He's like, he just like shooting at random things. It just it's. It's nuts, but it's also, I, I think this movie gets overly hated. I actually quite like it. The thing about this movie is that I think what maybe, at least for me, is frustrating and maybe for some other people is that it's so good for so long. Yeah. And then, I mean, and so that kind of makes it more frustrating than if it was just kind of like a solid, you know, base hit kind of movie. It's so good, especially like the first 20 minutes. And I mean, every time he goes around a corner, it's like the tension and the, how quiet the movie is and, and uh, you don't know what's happening. And then as soon as you see the, 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 the creatures, I guess, for lack of a better word, it just drains so much of what was so good for so long. And that last third is just... so frustrating and i think that's why it 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 does maybe get hated because like i'd still recommend the film i would still give it a positive review but it's just it was just frustrating because it was so good for so long and then (laughs) yeah what's your thoughts on the alternate ending 
I don't, I, if I have seen it, it's been uh, a long time. So I don't know. Well, I, I think the alternate ending is actually not too bad. I, I have actually okay. haven't watched it in a terribly long time, but when I remember, when I remember watching it for the first time, I was like, wow, why didn't they just keep that? <laughs> And like mm-hmm. I said, I haven't seen it for a while, so maybe I'll just have to see it again. But like I said, this movie, I think it's overly hated. The last third is disappointing, but the first two thirds are genuinely great. It's, I especially love the opening where, oh, uh, where, so where Will Smith is hunting the deer in his Mustang and he finally gets like a bead on it. And then the lion comes out and, and eats it and he's like, and like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the reason why is because that first two thirds is so good. And so it's, it feels like such a letdown. And, uh, and so I think that's why people in the end kind of feel really disappointed. Cause it was just like, it's one thing it's like going on, uh, you could just go on just sort of like an average date <laughs> and be fine, you know, and, and not memorable. Then you go on one that's like starting so great. And then it just, it is so disappointing like it's way more disappointing than something that's just eh. uh but anyway i think that's the reason but uh but i would still recommend it i as i said so yeah. my last recommendation is actually from blue sky and this is a very underrated film in my opinion uh it is robots and this movie uh, is a beautifully animated film. It looks great. The world building, the amount of the attention to detail in every, every single aspect of this robot world is so creative. And really, the story is basically the same thing that Zootopia did you know, over a decade later, uh, but they did in 2005. And you look at the quality of the animation, it's right up there with the best that Pixar was doing at that time, if not better. And I'm not sure why this got just completely ignored by everybody, it seems like. And uh, it's got a great voice cast. I mean, the villain's kind of lame, but I don't know. I just think, I think it's really good. And it's got Robin Williams and Ewan McGregor. And I love the scene when they are building their, their robot. They get the robot in a box and when they get the baby i love that whole scene it's so creative (laughs) so i don't know i don't quite get why um this was just kind of ignored uh maybe just because it wasn't disney i don't know yeah i don't understand why either i love this movie to pieces uh there's so many imaginative moments like when there's this one where the ewan mcgregor robot i can't remember his name right now and the robin williams bot are fighting over something and they get down this highway and and like they get into this chase and this chase is so much fun i watched it like a hundred times when i like rented it from the library when i was a kid i would just watch that scene over and over and over again it was so cool and then there's these little moments like when like when the ewan mcgregor bot was kicked out of the uh out of big welds factory because the uh the corporate guy had taken over and kicked him out and he was on the magnet and the guard was like, so how'd it go? And he's like, you don't understand. And then he's like, there's still magnet stuff like stuck on him. So he's like, this jerk is sitting in Big Weld's chair and he's, he's fighting against the magnetism. It, it's far funnier than I'm describing it, but it's, it is really funny. And yeah, like you said, 
this movie got forgotten, and I don't know why. It's definitely some Blue Sky's best work. Yeah, I think so. And really, I mean, if you look at the message of the story, it's the same message of Zootopia about how we uh, treat people that are different, and uh, and it's a message of tolerance and and uh, racism and and overcoming racism and things like that. So, I don't know. Very interesting. But what is your last pick? Well, before I do, I'll say you can shine no matter what you're made of. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so my final pick is uh, is it was originally going to be Corpse Bride, but we actually covered that in another podcast. So I changed it around to Trick or Treat. This is from 2007. It was directed by Michael Doherty, who um, I believe did something recently. I'll, I'll have to double check, but I, I think he may have worked on an X-Men movie. Uh, like I said, I'll, I'll look later, but this is an anthology movie about four separate stories that take place on one Halloween night, and it all centers around this little, um, I want to call it demon boy thing with a sack on his head and kills people with lollipops. It, it makes sense in the movie, I promise. <laughs> and this is one of those movies that when I think of Halloween in terms of ambiance and just candy and the chill in the air and the kids wearing costumes and just the general din of kids running around like, ah, trick or treat is what I think of. And there's definitely some near the knuckle stuff in here. I believe this is rated R, but, but I think of like Halloween ambiance from trick or treat. It's made up of four separate stories. Uh, one of the stories is a high school principal who is secretly a serial killer. Uh, Anna Paquin finds a man that he likes, but he has a dark secret. The little sack boy finds a uh, finds a recluse old man, and they have a fight. It, it's awesome in the movie, I promise. And it, I, I feel like it's a caveat of I'm, what I'm describing may be a tad silly, but in the context of the movie, it's really great. And uh, I love the Twilight Zone. I love the Outer Limits. So maybe I just have a soft spot for anthology stories. But I watch this movie movie every year around mm -hmm. Halloween time, and it just gets me in the mood. Like, chill in the air, the candy, the costumes, the scares, just everything in between. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've actually heard from quite a few of my friends that really like this one and say it's a pretty good gateway uh, horror, like not too, too traumatic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've heard from a lot of people. So there we go. We did it. We gave our, our recommendations for HBO Max and we talked about Dune. So let us know what you think in the comment section about any of these films we've talked about or HBO Max or Dune. Love to hear your thoughts. And I would also be curious to know if you went out to see Dune or you watched it at home on HBO Max. So let me know. I know that it, you, we like to you know, promote seeing things on the big screen and supporting theaters, but I can also see an argument for Dune because it is so complex and you know, wanting to take your time with it. I can see an argument for that, but hopefully maybe you get to see it both ways. Uh, but uh, let us know in the comments. We'd love to hear what you have to say. So uh, Ryan, where can people find you? They can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And there's of course my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, by the time this airs, Scary Mania will be wrapping up. I, um, 
we're recording this on Wednesday night, which means my review for Van Helsing from 2004 will be up, which I did a collab with Brevin over at Brevin's Flicks and Games. Uh, the next day will be Drag Me to Hell. Then it'll be Insidious, The Conjuring, and Lights Out, and that'll be the end of Scary Mania 2. Scary Mania 2 will be in the books. 31 more horror movie reviews on all 31 days of October. And then November is going to be a bit of a catch-up month for me. I'm going to be doing my definitive Villeneuve ranking in honor of Dune, and I'll also be talking about the Craig Bond movies and my ranking for that as well. And then I have big plans for December. They're still in the works, but I'll be announcing those very soon. Also, plan on seeing a few more new releases like House of Gucci in November and Belfast if it comes near me, hopefully. And, uh, and I'll also be closing out Studio Ghibli. I will have seen all of Studio Ghibli's movies at the end of November. So that's mm. all coming to the channel. If you'd like to check me out, please do. Yeah, definitely y'all should subscribe. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please take a look at that. I have my review of Eternals up. I just posted that yesterday, so take a look. And uh, make sure you're following, uh, I mean, if you like this video, please, oh, sorry, if you like this episode, please like this video, please subscribe to the channel, and also check out the uh, iTunes feed, and if you're listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews, we really appreciate that so much. Also check out the Hallmarkies podcast, got lots of stuff going on over there, lots of fun stuff. Check out the merch store, we have a sale on right now, you can get hashtag animation junkie shirts. And smile-worthy, frown-worthy gear. Also have the patron group, which is really fun. You get a chance to be a part of uh, the uh, decision-making of the podcast, uh, the Facebook group, and also the watch-alongs. So take a look at that. I'd really appreciate it. So thanks so much, everybody. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone. May Sam the doll leave you candy under your pillow on Halloween night. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs>